popular sovereignty became the newest tool utilized uh, by the pro-slavery uh, Democratic Party in the antebellum era uh, with the intent of bypassing uh, previous uh, legislation and uh, meant to prevent the spread of slavery into territories uh, prior to them becoming states. Now, popular sovereignty is a euphemism. Uh, it is nothing more than direct democracy, pure democracy, uh, a majoritarian tyranny, uh, or pure democracy. There's so many lovely words that all mean the same thing, but attempt to uh, package it differently. Uh, now, from the onset of the founding of the country, it was recognized that a direct democracy, an unchecked democracy, was extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville uh, examined democracy as a extension of uh, tyranny, uh, simply because if one man is capable of holding a tyrannical position over others, several doing it does not change the definition. So a majoritarian tyranny, although structured differently, is still just that. It's still just a tyranny. And it was the subject of much debate and concern at the time. Uh, in Federalist 10, James Madison uh, wrote, Democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Uh, Hamilton, writing in Federalist 51, uh, also notes that it is of great importance in a republic not only to guard the society against the oppression of its rulers, but to guard one part of the society against the injustice of the other part. Now note that in this specific instance, um, Hamilton is not specifying percentages. It could be protecting a minority from a majority, or, as is the case in the modern day, a majority from the wills and wishes of a minority, which also, of course, applies uh, to the uh, southern states at this time, where a very small percentage of uh, plantation master class, ruling elite, kind of aristocratic people, uh, essentially dominated the political and economic systems of the uh, Democrat states later on. John Adams uh, warned extensively about democracy, and he referred to it as being shorter-lived than aristocracy and monarchy, but also far more violent and bloody than either one. So coming into the founding era, into the Constitution, uh, there was no intent ever to establish anything close to a direct democracy, uh, or as it is perhaps more accurately defined or understood as mob rule. And the one of the principal reasons for that, which addressed there in, in uh, Federalist 10, is that the, a direct democracy is antithetical and incompatible uh, to natural rights theory. Uh, because in, in that system of governance, uh, your natural rights are voted upon by your countrymen, uh, which is precisely what we see uh, through the Democratic Party and their appeals for popular sovereignty in relation to the slave question. Uh, where their intent was to populate new territories like uh, the Kansas Territory uh, with pro-slavery uh, activists from Missouri, and then 
also <laughs> embark on one of the most gratuitous abuses of an electoral system during the time. Uh, and in the attempt and the intent of establishing slavery. So they pursued popular sovereignty as a tool. They understood that with that mechanism put in place, all that one had to do, not necessarily have more people voting in that particular area, but just kill or terrorize the other group uh, so that they wouldn't vote, uh, or they would obviously be reducing their numbers uh, through executions, which is exactly what happened uh, in Bleeding Kansas, uh, the event where you had free staters against uh, pro-slavery forces uh, that erupted into a civil war and, mul and a gr multiple acts of guerrilla violence, executions, um, burning of entire towns to the ground, and uh, just a dis disgusting display of uh, electoral fraud. And open, open declarations of war and calls to arms by Democrat statesmen who uh, felt that slavery was a divine right of the Southern man, and therefore using violence, murder, intimidation, and terrorism to protect that right uh, was justified. Uh, and that's what happens when you veer away from the unchanging moorings of natural rights. Now, specific to slavery as well, uh, I don't... Well, I was going to be a little facetious, but blacks couldn't vote. So you had a population voting to determine the fate of another chunk of the population when that population had no representation. So the abuses and the injustices here just, just, just snowball and dogpile onto each other. And it was all predicated on a the execution of a pure democracy. And it was wrapped up as this wonderful and, and beautiful thing of uh, Human society in general kind of has this weird reflex where we we attribute justness or rightness to that thing which is supported or felt to be right by a majority of people. And that's a flawed perspective when you're looking at things uh, from a very large scale with so many competing interests. Uh, but nonetheless, it is something that humans tend to do. We've had popular measures put on ballots now uh, governing all manner of things. Uh, and what's particularly dangerous is when these popular votes are held uh, on decisions that infringe on the right to private property of our fellow citizens. Uh, where I live just recently, for example, <clears throat> a couple years back, uh, property tax was actually uh, put on the popular ballot and passed by a majority of voting citizens. And so as a consequence, all citizens' property taxes go up, which means that a majority voted in a direct democracy for the confiscation of treasure from their fellow citizens, uh, including themselves. We don't know. Uh, it's because that particular vote did not require that person to be affected by the consequences or the outcome which is, again, different than natural rights, because if you vote, in theory, on anything that infringes on the natural rights of one citizen, it should affect all citizens. So therein lies another danger and abuse of direct democracy. Now, Stephen Douglas, uh, he was the 
well, one of the, uh, really the, the signature statesmen of the Democratic Party, uh, very long career, decades, uh, senator from Illinois and the presidential nominee in 1860. During his, his debates uh, against Lincoln uh, while running for senator, the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates, which I urge you to read, to analyze, to understand, and even to listen to, uh, there are numerous ways to do that. Uh, I know I, I cite them very heavily in Volume 2 of the 1787 Project, uh, much like the uh, webster hayne debates, it, these debates really, really clarify the positions, not just to the different political parties, but the social and political temperature of the time as well. Uh, because these debates were in 1858, uh, it wouldn't be uh, much longer before Civil War erupted. Now, when Stephen Douglas was running against Lincoln uh, for to be senator of Illinois, he attempted to kind of package slavery as an extension of this just and, and moral right of majoritarian tyranny. He says, and I quote, The territories should do as they pleased, but that when they come to be admitted as states, they should come into the union with or without slavery as the people determined. I mean to knock in this head the idea of the abolition doctrine by, of Mr. Lincoln, that there shall be no more slave states, even if the people want them. And it does not do for him to say, or for any other black Republican to say, that there is nobody in favor of the doctrine of no more slave states, and that nobody wants to interfere with the right of the people to do as they please. Now, this, this single paragraph provides such a, just, just a, an overt perversion of what constitutes rights. Uh, so let's, let's take a few moments and let's parse through this. So the first thing he does is he asserts that uh, slavery should be uh, as the people determined, which is just another clever way to mention a direct democracy. So that means that uh, citizens should vote and decide if they are going to be a slave state or not, which of course means that Douglas is presenting uh, not that citizens should actually vote to have slaves, but to have black African slaves or Amerindian slaves. There is no vote being held on just the uh, possession or ownership of slaves generally. So this, this aside from simply not being uh, the, the proper execution of natural rights theory, uh, it also does not apply equally across all peoples being affected from it. Stephen Douglas feels, of course, naturally, that he shouldn't be held in slavery. So he's automatically excluded, as are presumably all white men, uh, from this uh, potential law as well. So multiple injustices just, just out of the gate. Uh, as far as a historical note goes, he refers to the abolition doctrine of Mr. Lincoln, that there shall be no more slave states. Uh, that was not the doctrine of Abraham Lincoln. That was the doctrine of the founders and framers, the Declaration, the Constitution, that was the determination made then. That is why uh, the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 restricted the expansion of slavery. But of course, now we're in 1858, we're dealing with Stephen Douglas, a Democrat and a Calhounist, uh, despite uh, many historians trying to differentiate North Democrats from Southern Democrats, the only real variation was their honesty. 
Uh, and that was the, uh, the fracturing issue also uh, between the party at this time. Uh, though they, of course, came together collectively after the Civil War to pursue Jim Crow laws, uh, the growth of the KKK, uh, lynchings, and that kind of fun stuff, too. Note, too, that Douglas refers to Lincoln as a black Republican, uh, which would mean something very different after the Civil War and the Democrats lose, and there actually were black Republicans since blacks were allowed to vote. Um but this is a, a pejorative that was leveled against uh, the Republican Party pretty well as soon as it was formed uh, with the attempt to malign them in the public eye. And what, they, what this was meant to connotate was that the Republican Party was, like the South, the Democrat Party, uh, a political formation for identity politics, that they represented blacks first. Uh, contrary to the interests of the nation, which ironically is what the Democrat Party was doing at this time, representing Southern sectional interests of slavery and their uh, their admitted aristocratic society against the advantages that would be afforded to the entire nation to have simply fulfilled the founding doctrine. And again, uh, Douglas notes that uh, nobody wants to interfere with the right of the people to do as they please. I don't think uh, he consulted the blacks that could then, through some arbitrary vote, uh, be permanently labeled uh, as slaves and expand slavery and protect slavery. Uh, so he uses the phrase, the right of people to do as they please, which is a ridiculous argument to be made anyway, uh, because every law ever passed, every act every pa ever passed, uh, restricted people doing as they please. And this is just evidence of an additional rejection of natural rights theory, because again, your ability to exercise your rights should not imp or impede or infringe on the capacity of others to execute that same right in like capacity. Slavery does not work that way. Douglas was not going to hold his slaves and then trade places next week now the other the issue and the the primary thing here dealt too with these appeals to direct democracy uh, and douglas does this repeatedly throughout uh, the seven debates he held he held against uh, abraham lincoln at the time uh, was this these constant uh, reaffirmations that uh, majoritarian tyranny was just that it was right uh, which is a rejection of every foundational principle of the country. So, uh, and up at 18, uh, 1858, uh, just three years before the Civil War, and these the rhetoric could only intensify after this, uh, we can see that the abuses of a direct democracy being used uh, to protect and expand slavery, at least attempt to, and just the absolute terror that emerges. So we see the fulfillment of the warnings put forward uh, by John Adams and Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, that direct democracy is terrifying. And in this case, uh, the adoption of popular sovereignty as the policy going forward uh, was enshrined in the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854. And 
in that particular act, uh, we have a, a tragic glimpse into the application of direct uh, democracy in the pursuits of expanding slavery, uh, the guerrilla warfare, the political terrorism, uh, and executions that would become a hallmark and a stain on American history, uh, all in the name of perpetuating slavery through abuses of direct democracy. Bleeding Kansas will be the subject of the uh, next episode uh, because it is an unfortunate but very informative episode in American history and especially in the or on the subject of slavery and the perils of the direct democracy fulfilling the warnings given uh, by the founders uh, nearly a century before. Mm-hmm.